Welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. We are an online community of people who believe that even though life can be difficult, complicated, and tiring, Jesus offers a life that is easy, light, and full of rest. And the life that Jesus offers isn't simply a membership to a religion or a personal philosophy on life, but He offers to transform us into people who live and love just as He did in this world. So we want to be a community who are committed to loving everyone just as Jesus has loved us. So no matter who you are or what you believe about God or even what you've done, we want you to be a part of this Jesus movement to love everyone always. And what we hope is that throughout our time together, you can experience that God loves you and He cares about your life. In fact, we say this all the time, no matter what you think about God, we believe He can't stop thinking about you. We believe that He is for you and He only has good things for your life. So no matter where you're watching this from, from your phone or your, on your lunch break or hopefully not while you're driving, we believe that God is present with you right now. And if you can stay open to that, I truly believe He wants to make Himself real to you. If at any point during this video you have questions or maybe you feel like God is speaking to you and you want to talk to somebody about that, there will be a number on the screen the whole time. So you can text that number at any point and somebody from our team will respond just as soon as they can. Because even though right now this is just a video that you're watching, we hope that your interactions with us move from just being content that you consume to being a community that you're committed to. One easy way to get more involved in our community is by going to our website, cccanywhere.com. There are a ton of resources there, including materials specifically designed for your children. The best way that you can get involved there is by clicking on the card on that website that says, join our Facebook group. You'll be taken straight over to the Community Christian Anywhere group on Facebook, where we can connect with each other during the week. All you have to do is click the join group button and you'll take one quick and easy step into community this week. And while you do that, let's get into our main idea for the day. For the past few weeks, we've been learning about this little part of the brain and how it controls so much of our lives. It's called the amygdala. And the amygdala's job is to respond to threats. This can be physical threats, like I see someone holding a knife and they're walking right towards me and my amygdala kicks in and says, it's fight or flight time. Either run away or get ready to throw some hands. The amygdala is pretty helpful when your home is on fire or you're under a physical threat but the amygdala's fight or flight response also kicks in when you face what appear to be threats. When you say or do something that reminds me of a past hurt or a bad relationship or a sensitive or insecure part of my life, I feel like I'm under attack and I'm ready to battle and scrap it out or I'm just gonna walk away from the relationship. I accuse you of something you didn't really say or do and I ignore you, I ghost you, I cut you out of my life. And nearly all of us, if we're honest, know what it's like to be triggered emotionally. We know what it's like to lash out in anger and look back and think, where did that come from? 
Maybe you know what it's like to be having a perfectly fine day and then you hear something or read something on your social media feed and your mind is drenched in anxiety. Maybe you've got a critical inner voice that leads you to a lot of self-defeating thoughts or you've got insecurities that are triggered by harmless comments from others. Maybe because of your last marriage, you're doing damage to your current spouse. Maybe because of your childhood, you find it difficult to connect and build trust with anyone. Maybe it's past trauma or abuse that's still doing damage years after the incident. I think we all know what it's like to be triggered. It's like a prison that we're trapped in. But over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus came so that we could live in freedom. We don't have to be controlled by our passions or our past or the things that trigger us. And if you haven't been here for the whole series, I would encourage you to check out the past few episodes on our YouTube channel or Facebook page because today I'm really building on what we've learned so far and closing this whole thing out. My name is Nathan, and if at any point during this video you have questions or you want to talk about whatever it is that triggers you or you just want to pray with someone, text me at the number on screen and I'd love to help you do that. Well, here's a quick recap of where we've been in this series. We've said that we all know what it's like to be triggered. So when I am triggered, I need to spot the symptoms early. Don't wait until you've actually said the thing you can't take back or you're on marriage number three to figure this out. Learn to spot the symptoms of your amygdala's fight or flight response hijacking your brain and ask the question, is there a real threat here? Am I really under attack? If there's not a threat, then I have to stop. I have to de-escalate things and re-engage the rational and relational part of my brain. See, my amygdala is not about thinking things through. It's all about survival and action. It wants to get me out of danger and it doesn't care about who I have to hurt to protect me. So I need to stop and give myself some time to think before I respond. Maybe take a walk and cool off. Ask questions like, What's going on inside of me? What's going on between me and this other person? All of that re-engages your relational brain, which puts the focus less on protecting you, more on loving the other person. And then we can finally let God heal this wound. See, once my brain is out of survival mode, then I can go deeper and I can ask God to heal this unhealed wound that is triggering me. Last week, Jason taught us about how the first step in doing that is removing the lies that our enemy uses to deceive us. See, Jesus told us that there's an enemy that loves to steal and kill and destroy every good thing in our lives, and that lies are his primary tool. If he can get us to live in self-defeating, self-deceptive thoughts about ourselves or God or others, then he can keep us living in survival mode and doing damage to ourselves into others. But God doesn't just want us to go through life surviving it. God wants us thriving. And in order to thrive, we have to stop listening to the voice of lies from our enemy and instead listen to the voice of love from our Heavenly Father. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. The way that we move from being triggered all the time and doing damage to ourselves and others is to be led by the Spirit of God. See, God is inviting us into a life where we cooperate with Him, where we speak to Him and He speaks to us, where what is guiding our decisions is not what we feel in any given moment or how we perceive life to be, but how God is leading us to live. One writer of the Bible named Paul said it like this, 
live by the Spirit, and you won't do what the flesh wants you to. Now, this word flesh sometimes is translated as sinful nature, but it's really more than just temptation. Paul is talking about something within us that wants to do damage to our lives and to others. Paul often talks about our flesh as if it's some kind of monster that takes control of our lives and ruins it. It's as if our hurtful and damaging habits and actions get lodged within our flesh, within our bodies. Those bitter and hateful words you spew when you get ticked off, they're lodged in your lips. They're on the tip of your tongue, just ready to fly off the handle. That tone of voice, the condescending or threatening or damaging tone you use so that you don't even have to say what you think, everyone just feels it. That tone of voice, it's stuck in your throat. It's, it's ready to explode. You ever felt that? Your anxiety, it's lingering in the pit of your stomach. Your readiness to ditch and run from relationships, that is in your legs. The aggressive actions you either act out on or you desperately repress within yourself, they're clenched in your balled up fists. It's in your flesh. It's become second nature. It's your character. Character is what you do without having to think about it. And Paul says when you live this way, your flesh wants to go against the spirit or what God is leading you to do. Your own body is fighting against what God wants to do in you. They're opposed to one another so that you can't do what you really want. Well, I think that sounds a lot like what we've been learning about how our amygdala can hijack our brains. We end up doing and saying things we normally wouldn't, but our brain is just in fight or flight mode. And Paul says, you need to live a life free of that. How? by allowing the Spirit of God to have primary influence in our lives and not our biological or physiological reactions. See, you're more than just a body. You're more than just a mix of psychology and how you were raised and brain chemistry and hormones. You are a child of God. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are the place where the Spirit of God lives. And as Paul would say in another writing, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, freedom to live how we've always wanted to live. And that's what we're gonna learn how to do today. On the night before Jesus was killed, he told his followers all that was about to happen. Not only his own suffering and death, but the suffering and death that his followers would face after he had returned to his father. Jesus knew the kind of confusion, trauma, and emotional turmoil that his followers would be facing. And so he wanted to give them comfort in light of the fear being triggered within them. And so Jesus told his disciples that he was sending them a helper, an advocate to work on their behalf. This helper is the Holy Spirit of God who lives within every disciple of Jesus. And Jesus said it was best for them to lose Jesus's physical presence on earth in order to receive the Holy Spirit of God within them. Not only because he would be a comforter who would encourage and strengthen them during the difficult days ahead, but also because he would guide them. Jesus called this Spirit of God the Spirit of Truth, who would guide believers into all truth. As we've said throughout this series, we all need to see ourselves, other people, and God through His eyes and not our own. And the Holy Spirit does this for us. 
He helps us to see the truth of God when on our own, we can only see our own truth. So we want to give you a moment right now to invite the spirit of truth to help you to see the truth about whatever it is that triggers you. In the following moments of silence, invite the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth about yourself, other people, maybe somebody who's hurt you in the past, and even the truth about God Himself. To help you do that, I want to read some words from Scripture together. These words are an ancient prayer and poem that Jesus Himself probably read at some point in His life on earth. And so let's use these words in the following moments of silence to invite the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, into your heart and mind to reveal the truth of God to you. Let's read these words aloud together. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, thank you for your spirit that leads us into truth. Help us to listen to your voice and to see with your eyes. Empower us to live and to love as Jesus did in this world. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So let's talk for a bit about how we practically go about allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us to the truth about ourselves, others, and God. And as we've done throughout this series, it's gonna require some homework for you. So here we go. First, you need to make a list of people or events that might have possibly harmed you and left you triggered. Now, the reason I say might have possibly is because we all are pretty good at minimizing pain and overemphasizing our own strength. Oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I know it was wrong, but you know, they didn't really mean it that way. We minimize the damage others have done to us to protect them or maybe to protect ourselves, but it's really not helpful. We can't see the truth if we're the ones lying to ourselves. We often try to convince ourselves we've done the hard work of forgiveness when we've really only just pushed aside the pain for a little bit. See, we know, you know, as a follower of Jesus, I need to forgive, so I end up offering this cheap form of forgiveness that doesn't really take into account all that this person did or that they took from us. Or we're still close with this person and so it just kind of feels bad to say we're mad about what happened and so we just hold on to secret bitterness and occasionally they trigger us and it comes out. One thing that growing in my discipleship to Jesus has taught me is that I have more enemies than I thought I did. 
There are more people who I've been holding anger or judgmental or critical thoughts about than I ever thought before. And as I grow as an apprentice of Jesus, I learn my job is not to ignore any of that and pretend like what they did didn't hurt me, but to love my enemies. And true love only exists when I'm willing to see the truth. And so you might need to write a letter, a letter that you never send, a letter that lists out all the pain this person caused you all the things they stole from you. It's okay to be angry. In the Bible, there are these poems that are like prayers to God. They're called Psalms. And one category of Psalms are imprecatory Psalms. There are Psalms asking God to judge others who have hurt us. There are Psalms that say things like, let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and make their loins tremble continually. The loins? Don't go after the loins, bruh. Pour out your indignation upon them and let your burning anger overtake them. Now that's harsh. It sounds like a My Chemical Romance song. One theologian refers to why these psalms are so important by saying, we all have to find a way to curse without cursing. Maybe you need to write an imprecatory letter that's just for you. Once again, you can't see the truth unless you're willing to speak the truth. So on the path to forgiveness and freedom, acknowledge your pain. Or maybe for you, it, it, if it's an event or maybe it's a situation in your past and you just feel weak saying that it still hurts, we think, so long ago, I should just be over it by now. But once again, we can't heal until we know where the truth is. So make a list. Look at it closely and it might be painful. You might need to walk this through with some other people. See, this is why we have small groups and discipleship groups to surround ourselves with believers who can help us walk this out. You may need to go to counseling to actually see the truth. I did. I got to a point where I was holding on to bitterness over things that happened to me, and I thought I had gotten over it, but it just kept see seeping out in this toxic and unhealthy ways to people that I really loved, and I couldn't see it clearly. And so with the help of a counselor, I was able to begin down the path of recovery. But counseling wasn't enough. It offered me tools that I've actually used alongside my discipleship group to grow closer to the spirit of truth who lives within me. Now, maybe you don't even know what your unhealed wounds are, and I certainly didn't. So here's a good test to begin with. It's called the grocery store test. Imagine you're walking into a grocery store and you see someone and you immediately are tempted to turn around and walk out of the store because it would be too awkward or upsetting or triggering to be around them. Who is that person? Write their name down because they might have possibly wounded you. Or what conversation or topic or issue could come up at a dinner table that might tempt you to blow up in anger or retreat into anxiety? Write that down. Or, or maybe you already know what people or events have left you with unhealed wounds. Either way, make a list. When my dad left, when my spouse had an affair, when I lost my job, when my best friend betrayed me, when they said those words, when they let me down, maybe it's abuse or some significant trauma. Write down whatever you think might have possibly wounded you. And then after some time, come back to the list. And this time, Ask God to lead you into all truth. We've said throughout this series that each of us have a version of the truth. I have my perspective and the other person has their perspective, but God has the third perspective, the capital T truth that makes all our little truths make sense. 
so once you've identified what your possible hurts are, you sit with God in silence and solitude and you go through those memories even if they're painful. And you ask God to show you the truth about yourself, others, and Him. Where was God in all of this? For people who know me well or have listened to our church podcast, you know I love the Enneagram. And part of the reason why is because it It really does help us to see the truth about ourselves by identifying these lies that we've believed throughout our lives. I'm a three on the Enneagram, and the lie I adopted in my early life was this. People only love you when you're good at things and successful. And so this lie has manifested throughout my life in being a workaholic, taking on too many projects, not building enough into my relationships becoming obsessed with achieving and succeeding because it's the only way I feel lovable. I lie to myself and others to play up my successes and downplay my failures. I blow up at others when they trigger me by telling me, hey, you know, I think you could have done that better, so on. And it wasn't until I learned to sit in silence and solitude, which I learned from my discipleship group, and I brought this before God that things actually changed. It was then that I could hear him telling me, Nathan, I don't love you because of what you do. In fact, no matter what you do, I will never love you more and I will never love you less. I needed to hear this over and over again. You may need to hear something else. You may need to sit in the silence and have God help you to see the truth about what someone else did. You may need to have God help you to see where he was in the midst of a tragedy. But we all need God to help us see the truth. And finally, we need to forgive and release. And forgiveness is a whole five-week message series on its own, so I don't have time to go too much into this. You and I both know you won't move forward until you forgive. Over and over again, Jesus tells his followers, when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Healing only comes when we are willing to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive someone who has hurt you or who didn't come through for you. Maybe you need to release your anger about an event or situation in your past. Maybe you need to release your fear and anxiety from some past experience. Maybe you need to release your anger at God. Maybe the person you most need to forgive is yourself. Maybe you hold on so much shame over some past mistake and it causes all this anger in you because you've never released that. You know, the night before Jesus died, he told one of his closest followers, Peter, that when Jesus would be put on trial, that Peter would abandon him and deny Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. And Peter denied that. He said, I'm never going to do that. But he did three times. Can you imagine the guilt and shame Peter carried around with him? I mean, even after Jesus rose from the dead, can you imagine what would happen when Peter was up preaching about Jesus and then suddenly a rooster crowed? Imagine the response that would have been triggered in him. But it didn't. Why? Because after Jesus rose from the dead, he sat and he had breakfast with Peter. And this time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I do. Jesus asked again, Peter, do you love me? And I think this time Peter gets a little choked up because he knows what Jesus is doing. He says, yes, Lord, you know I do. Jesus asked one more time, Peter, do you love me? And I think a flood of emotion comes over Peter as all at once he relives this event that's been triggering guilt and shame. And all at once he releases his guilt and shame. Yes, Lord, you know I do. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Peter, I've still got life left for you to live and things left for you to do. I'm not done with you. You see, healing was a top priority for Jesus. 
He wanted to release Peter from his guilt and shame, but he needed to lead Peter through it. And that's what Jesus wants to do for you if you will come to him and let him. Followers of Jesus believe that it was on the cross when the truth about God and ourselves was most clearly seen. There are a lot of ideas about God in this world, but in the moment when Jesus died for us, the truth about God's powerful and personal love for us became clear. God is not angry at us. He's not ignorant to our suffering and pain. In fact, on the cross, He entered into our suffering and took it upon Himself. The cross shows us that God cares so much about you and I being healed and made whole that He died to see it happen. And that's the truth about you. You are loved no matter what anyone has told you, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what lies you believed about yourself, the cross speaks loudly. You are loved. Broken and messy and triggered, you are loved by the God who made you. He loved you so much that He would take on the suffering of the world and die for you so that He could adopt you as His child. This is what we remember every week when we receive the meal of communion together. Followers of Jesus use the emblems of bread and juice to remember Jesus' body and blood given for us to adopt us as His dearly loved children. If you're planning to receive communion today, would you get whatever elements you have nearby, a piece of bread or a cracker to remember Jesus' body given to forgive your sins and to offer you new life, and a cup of juice or even just water to remember Jesus' blood poured out to bring you into His family. And if you're here today and you're not sure that you believe all that we do, I hope that you'll just use this time to reflect on all that you've experienced today. Listen to the following song that talks about the truth of who we are and who God is. Could these words to this song be true? Maybe use this time to reach out to us through text or to reach out to God in prayer. Ask Him if He's real and would He make Himself real to you? I believe He wants to do that. But as we receive the elements of communion, let's listen to this song that reminds us of the truth that no matter what names we've been called or that we've called ourselves, the God of heaven calls us sons and daughters. And if we live in this truth, it can change our life. We 
are the sons, we are the daughters of God. No matter where we go, we're close to the Father's heart. And though we stumble, He will not let us fall. We are the Lord's and He will never forsake His own. We are the sons, we are the daughters of God. His love he lavished on us and called us children of the King. love and kindness he chose the lowly and the weak and his heart is good he is always kind with the cross he proved he is on our side we are the sons we are the daughters of God no matter where we go we're close to the Father's heart and though we stumble he will not let us fall we are the Lord's and he will never forsake the sons we are the daughters of God when the lies speak louder than the truth remind me I belong to I can't see past the dark of night. Remind me you're always by my side. When the lies speak louder than the truth, remind me I belong to you. When I can't see past the dark of night remind me you're always by my side we are the sons we are the daughters of God no matter where we go we're close to the Father's heart stumble he will not let us fall we are the lords and he will never forsake his all we are the sons we are the daughters of god
Jesus wants to set us free. But life in the Spirit, life in freedom, it's more than a one-time decision. Releasing your anger isn't the end. It's the beginning of a new kind of life. The early follower of Jesus we read from earlier, Paul, he wrote, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Christ will set you free, but if you do not stay in step with God's Spirit, you can just go right back into bondage to your triggers. You don't just need to remove your old habits, you need new habits, and it's a daily thing. I often hear people talk about their spiritual life in this way. Yeah, I gotta get to church on Sundays. Yeah, I gotta get plugged in and then get recharged. We talk about ourselves as if we're a piece of technology, a smartphone or something. We come to church, we recharge our batteries, and then we go out in the week and we can run on our own power. And then we'll eventually get drained and exhausted and run down. But see, this is not the analogy that Jesus or the writers of the Bible use for our lives with the Spirit of God. Jesus refers to us as a tree or a branch. We're a living organism, and our job isn't to go off and live on our own. Our job is, as Jesus says, to remain in me and I will remain in you. The branch can't bear fruit by itself, but only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. We are a fruit-bearing branch, and we have to stay connected to the vine who brings us nutrients, and not once a week, not even once a day. Every moment, we are being provided for, protected, cared for by the Spirit of God. That's how we thrive. I mean, if we're constantly plugging in and then disconnecting, we're not a branch, we're a stick. And sticks are just good for hitting other people and doing damage or starting fires. And for many of us, that's how you've always lived. Paul would pick up on this imagery of a branch and fruit and say that it's clear what happens when we live lives responding to our sinful nature, our flesh. Lives lived out of our natural reactions, our triggered responses. One writer who did a modern paraphrase of Paul's words about this life states it like this. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. This is the life lived in our flesh and our triggered reactions. We know this life. But Paul says there's another life possible. Here's how that modern paraphrase puts Paul's words. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life. Who else needs some of that right now? Serenity? We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people, even the people who trigger us. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our own way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Imagine your life like this. How beautiful is that? 
That right there is freedom. It's the freedom to be who you want to be. And it's possible for you, but you need God's spirit every moment. And maybe you're becoming aware of this because you've tried to fix your reactions on your own. You've tried to white knuckle it or willpower yourself into better reaction and it doesn't work, not long term. At some point, you have to surrender control of your life to God, the God who made you and knows you and loved you enough to die for you. And if you're at that point today, if you're ready to be led by the Spirit of God, would you text the number on screen right now? I'd love to talk to you about that decision. Just text decision to the number on screen. I'll talk to you about that. You know, the Bible says that when we choose to follow Jesus and be led by His Spirit, we shouldn't keep that decision to ourselves. So don't wait. Let someone know right now by texting me. But you know, this isn't just a you and God thing. Like I said, you need to develop new habits, but a one hour long video won't give you that. It's like you need a Jesus training program. You need other people to help you walk in the spirit daily. And so if you're not currently in a small group or a discipleship group with some people who can help you to walk this out, would you please text the number on screen right now? I'd love to help you get connected with a group of people who can help you to live in the freedom that's possible with God's spirit. The writers of the Bible continuously remind us that we need one another to encourage and spur one another on to living with God's Spirit. So don't miss out on this key part of living in freedom. Text me right now and I'll help you get in a community who can help you to walk in the Spirit of God. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and it's possible for you. But you don't just need to better yourself. You need a new life with new habits, the kind of life that can only come from God's Spirit and a community centered around God's Spirit to help you find these new habits to do that. So while you text me right now, I want us to praise God for the freedom that is ours when we call upon His name.
hope today's experience was meaningful for you. And I hope that what you take away most of all is that God is for you and that we are too. And if anything today raised any questions for you, or maybe you felt like God was speaking to you and you just want to talk to somebody about that, please text that number on the screen right now. Someone from our team will be in touch as soon as they can. And as always, We want your experience with us to be more than just content that you consume, but a community that you can be committed to. We don't believe that one video you watch is going to change your life, but you can get involved with a community of people to walk this out with in your life. It'll change everything. So please take a moment right now and go to our website, cccanywhere.com to find out how you can get more connected with us here. There are ways to get involved with virtual small groups and discuss what you're learning here. And there's even resources for your kids. For those of you who have been around for a little while and you're starting to call Community Christian Anywhere your church, I hope you'd consider giving to support what we as a church are doing. Not because we need your money, but because a part of loving and following Jesus is supporting the body of Christ, His church. And one way we can do that is by giving a little of what God has given us back to Him. There's a way for you to do that on cccanywhere.com as well. But the best way to get involved with our community is by clicking on the card on our website that says join our Facebook group. That link will take you straight over to Community Christian Anywhere group on Facebook where you can click the join group button and you'll take one easy step towards getting more involved with our community here. I hope to see you there. And as you leave today, please carry this thought with you. No matter what you think about God, He cannot stop thinking about you.